The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. All right, everybody, before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, if you love the strategy of season-long fantasy sports and live for the short-term gratifications of DFS, then you have to try out weekly fantasy sports WFS on Owner's Box. Head on over to rotoballer.com backslash box and sign up today. Weekly Fantasy Sports is the best of daily and season long. It keeps you engaged through live drafting and new multi-week games. Owner's Box will also be paying out users who bring their friends on board. Watch the real money rewards pile up through their first ever three-tiered referral system. Add friends, create groups, and rank up to uh, up to elevate the trash talk and competition to the next level. But that's not it. Owner's Box will be matching your first time deposit of up to $500 for any depositors through January 4th. Just head on over to www.rotoballer.com backslash box and sign up today to claim your $500 bonus and join the new wave of weekly fantasy sports. Now, to this episode of Benched with Bubba. back everybody to another episode of benched with bubba episode 335 have a returning guest of the show a friend of the show you can find him on twitter at drhoa3 jagfantasysports.com he has the injury tool he has the best ball uh draft tools all kinds of cool stuff he's a best ball guru Derek rhodes how we doing man I am doing well. Thanks for having me back. Glad to be with you. Glad to talk some best ball. And in fact, we actually have some things to talk about now. It feels like like we just haven't had any news and now it's it's hot and heavy. Yeah, usually I'll be cranking two to three shows out a week. But, you know, without the news, I was kind of like just doing my thing, just waiting. And then the news came. People have been asking for more best ball content. So I've been I've been pointing them to your direction and Brian Seymour's direction. I'm like, you know what? Let's chat again. I had fun the first time. And um, your tools are great. I'm always in your DMs because I'm a computer illiterate person, but uh, <laughs> your, your tools are like super helpful. And 
you, you built the ADP list. So before we go, I keep saying your tools, plug away everything you got going on. Sure, sure, absolutely. So um, most of my stuff you can find at jagfantasysports.com. Um, that's where I have any any tools that I've made, um, that whether they're free or, or not free, are on my website. The free tools are um, injury-related stuff. So if you want to look at players' injury history, uh, if you want to look at league-wide injury trends, there's a couple different tools for that, and uh, definitely go check those out. They're you, know, you can see it from the homepage, just injury tools, and uh, I can't recommend those enough for off-season prep stuff we're doing right now. Um, and then I have a couple tools uh, that are for purchase uh, that are specifically best ball. I have one for the Fantrax best ball product and the uh, the BB10 best ball product, and and those just help you, especially if you're new to best ball. They're great at helping you. Number one, you don't have to worry about the points. I've got the points already put in there. Um, you know, they help you track your drafts. You know, throw projections in there, kind of see what player values are and stuff like that. Um, keep those real cheap. Those are five dollars for each one. Uh, but, you know, I really encourage you to check those out if you're somebody who's who's new to best ball and wants to get in and but but doesn't want to come in and and just you know feel like a fish out of water. You can come in. These kind of help set the set the tone for what you need to do. And then I'm always posting stuff on Twitter. Uh, I'll do best ball research. Um, you know, I started doing ADP reports. Um, so kind of have market trends on, on the ADP for best ball specific stuff. So uh, you can catch, you know, the Twitter account, uh, as Bubba said, it's uh, DRHOA3. Um, a lot of best ball, a lot of injury stuff. Yeah, it's super useful tools. Like I, I talked about last time, the, the injury tool I reference. Almost, it depends on how much research I'm doing that day. If it's a day I'm just kind of hanging out, not doing baseball stuff. But if I'm doing it, I'm I'm pretty much most guys I'm writing about. I'm looking at it for at least a few seconds, if not digging in deeper, because yeah. I'll have questions going. Okay, wait a minute, this guy had an injury, didn't he? And they're like, Well, when was it? What was? It? And it it helps out a lot. So it, it's super easy to use. Like if I can figure it out, anyone can figure it out. Um, and then those those best ball tools, like I said, jokingly but not jokingly, I'm always in Derek's DMs because I'm screwing it up because I'm a dumb dumb. But uh, it's a super useful tool, especially if you're new to best ball, like you said. Um, if you're used to doing like roto redrafts, best ball is a little different, like we talked yep. about last time. It's a different animal. So this thing kind of points you in the direction and kind of keeps you focused on, hey, it's a point system. This guy actually is pretty good here, and maybe this guy isn't as good here. So it's at least at least makes you think about it. It's not the go to like end all be all. But it also, I think the fact it tracks your projected points helps a ton as well because it yeah. keeps you kind of in like it, it points you to where you need to focus a little more than others. Yep, yep. It helps you it helps you just see where where the rest of the league is and make sure that you're kind of in line. Not not that you need to be front, but you need to be in line with the rest of the league. Yeah, I think it's it's a great tool. But so go check all that. I will plug it again at the end. But it's always great stuff. And um, on his Twitter, he takes requests. So he uh, he's all okay. that's always the thing too. So keep that on. keep it within you know the best ball world, but yeah, uh, he'll take requests. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we're gonna talk some recent news, like we said. We have some uh, some to talk about the the lengths of the deals, the the financials of the deals. Those aren't as big a deal to us. But uh, what we want to talk about is the fantasy impacts, and we'll start with the biggest one over the last couple of weeks, and that was George Springer finally landed. He landed with the Toronto Blue Jays six year deal. He's gonna fit right in to that lineup, a very very good lineup. Yeah, it's freaking sweet. Um, like, like Derek Cardi posted the bad X's stuff has him like as a top like a ten or fifteen player. It's it's ridiculous how good he is. Now, when it comes to fantasy baseball season long or best ball, how does he fit in for you now being in Toronto? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a great landing spot for him. Um, you know, we're a little uncertain how good the park's going to be. You know, whether they play in Toronto, whether they play down in Florida, uh, it seems like either way. The I did I did a little reading on the park in Florida, and I think people are kind of still kind of not sure because there's been renovations, so the walls are a little bit bigger. But it sounds like it, you know it's still going to be a hitter, hitter's park, but maybe not as friendly uh, as if they were playing at home. So um, 
you know, we still don't know humidity, stuff like that, what, what's the ball is going to be like. But it does still sound like a pretty good, pretty soft landing spot. The lineup's obviously fantastic. Um, so I, I'm happy. I, great spot. I wish I had more early George Springer shared, to be honest, because um, I do think the projections are going to look real rosy. Yeah, that that's the part that kills me is I don't have a ton of shares. I always just kind of I'm always kind of I talked about it on recent shows. I'm really kind of cautious when I draft because I want to like make sure this, that, or the other. So like overall competition is probably not the best guy to draft. But uh single season, 50-50 type stuff, I'm mm-hmm. I'm your guy. But uh when you look at a guy like Springer, I always just kind of kept waiting because I'm thinking, okay, even if he goes back to Houston, it's nice, but that team's not the same team anymore. Right. So right. it's kind of like, yeah. But yeah, his ADP and uh draft champions in the last month, he's 14th off the board of 55. So that's pretty solid stuff. I expect that to climb a bit because even if it's in Dunedin, like you said, it's going to get hot. It's going to be humid. The ball's going to fly in Florida. I highly doubt they're in Toronto to at least start the season. So. Doesn't seem likely. Yeah, it doesn't seem likely. Um, the Blue Jays made another splash. And no, I'm not talking Michael Brantley. They faked this out on that one. Boy, that, that did not happen. Whew, I, like, I, I literally had to double check this morning to make sure that didn't happen. That's, everybody um, was burning their Rowdy Tellez shares when they saw yes. that. They like, <laughs> I felt so much better when I woke up this morning and triple checked. And I'm like, okay, Rowdy still has a chance. We're good. We're yeah, good. There's still hope. Keep hope alive. Yes, there's still hope. But uh, they went and shored up their bullpen. Like pitching's always been an issue with Toronto. They went and picked, uh, signed Kirby Yates. And he's, he's one of those guys also in best balls we can talk about. I stayed away from for A, didn't know where he was going. B, coming off that injury, I was still concerned. But, heck, they signed him to a decent deal to basically be their closer, it looks like. So good for Kirby Yates, stinks for our Romano shares. What's your take on all that? Yeah, this is one where I think the contract is relevant. Um, I don't have the exact number, but I, you know, it is very insane, incentive-laden. So it's like a $4 million, $5 million deal with a bunch of incentives, right? It's like, $5.5 million guaranteed with $4.5 million in incentives. So – to me, you know, I do think you want to, I mean, there, that's a, that's a contract that acknowledges there's some risk with Kirby, uh, as far as the health, you know, the, if he comes back to what he was, um, and I don't think we know, I don't know that they're, that I don't know at that investment that they're just handing him the closer's job either. It's true. Um, like, you know, if they, if they had been a multi-year deal, you know, with some fat money, they go, Oh, they feel good about the the health. He's it's his job, but that's not the case here. So I don't know that we can assume that he has that, that job out of the gate. So it just makes it that, that situation even messier than I think it already was. So it, it, cause you make valid points there. That's kind of where I was concerned even before they signed him about Kirby Yates. Um, and I saw guys are all excited and wanting to draft him and I drafted Romano everywhere. So I'm sitting here like first to Les and Romano, like it's just been a fun couple of days with Toronto, <laughs> but, um, do you still kind of stay away from Kirby Yates and drafts? Cause his ADP is obviously going to climb. It was a very, very discounted if he is the closer, but it's yeah. going to climb regardless. It's going to climb. Are you just kind of steering clear? I think he's one of those guys that, I, you know, I want to see what he looks like in spring. So I, if, if, if I lose out on discounts now, that's mm-hmm. fine. Um, I'm not going to let FOMO, you know, kind of drive, you know, me drafting a guy who I'm, I'm a little concerned about. Now, if in the spring, if things look good, if the it's good, um, you know, if he looks like he's kind of working his way back into shape, you know, as much as you can see from a reliever in spring training, like I'd be more inclined to just pay whatever, you know, to pay what the price is then um, if I see the things that I want to see. But right now I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty much out. Yeah, uh, that makes sense to me. And let's talk about a closer that is going to be the closer. Liam Hendricks signed with the Chicago White Sox. He got paid, got paid very well. Good for him. Um, and he's locked in a multi-year deal, kind of checks all the boxes that Kirby Yates did not check on the signing. Um, and he's going to close for the White Sox. What's that mm-hmm. do for you? He's already like a top two or three closer for many. 
Yeah, I mean, he's it, it, kind of an invaluable commodity, and in the you know, there's just this handful of guys who you definitely know 100% have the job, and he's one of them. So you got to pay the price for that if you you know if if you want. It doesn't mean he's guaranteed to stay healthy. It doesn't. Uh, I think Eno Saris was talking on rates and barrels a while back just about the uh, the track record of pitchers, uh, relief pitchers who've pitched as much as Liam Hendricks has. Um, so you worry about that a little bit, but like this is the going rate. If you want to, you want to secure closer. This is what it costs. And so I've taken him, um, even in best ball where, where saves are a little less um, valuable than in like a, a, a roto or, um, you know, categories league. So, you know, sometimes that security, you know, is worth something. No, I agree. It's, it's a definite secure situation. Uh, Eno brings up great points because I know what you're talking about. He's, I think he's written about it. Jeff Zimmerman's written about it, that the wear and tear on the arm for relievers, because you got to factor in it's the innings plus the ramp up times plus the days mm-hmm. he gets up to pitch and doesn't come into the game. Like there's a lot of factors in a reliever that gets pretty wild. Yeah. And um, to do it year after year, he, there's been charts and stuff showing the decline from guys at times. So I don't, I hope it doesn't have really right. in Exactly. <laughs> but it's one of those like, just keep that in the back of your mind. Like, yeah, I think you kind of you go in fingers crossed to, to, to a certain extent. Well, on the bright side, if the White Sox, it is Tony La Russa, so I don't think they have half a brain. But um, they have Bummer. They have a couple other options there that if they want to kind of slow play him this year for the long mm-hmm. run of the deal, they can. So it's also something to think yeah, about. It's possible, yeah. All right. We mentioned Michael Brantley deked us all out, all of us. Like, I don't, there was not one person that did not have him. A roster resource had him on the Blue Jays. Like, it was done. He it was done. Yeah, he re-signs with the Astros on a two-year deal. So he's locked in. He was always hitting in the middle of the order last year. Depleted lineup still. The dude hits like 300. His contact skills are ridiculous. Um, he's very good for best balls compared to probably Roto because of his on-base skills. But mm-hmm. what's your take on a Michael Brantley? Yeah, yeah. I think what you said, you know, is really spot on. I like that he's going back to Houston. You know, you hope Jordan, you know, Jordan Alvarez back. You know, Bregman, we, we bounce back maybe a little bit, you know. Uh, Altuve, we'll see if we can get a little Altuve. You know, I mean, you, you can, I think you can kind of, you know, and Kyle Tucker's there. I mean, you can paint this this lineup into being, you know, really good. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, if, you know, you kind of have to see a little, you know, glimmers of it. But um, I like him going back there. I think it's a good spot for him. I think that's better than some of the places he could have ended up. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited. And like you said, in best ball, any type of, you know, especially over fan tracks where you get the benefit of the OBP, it's not quite as pronounced over uh, on the BB10 um, and FBC side. But it, but on that, in the OBP format over in fan tracks, it's great. Yeah, no, I've always been a Brantley fan. Um, like for the DFS shows, people can remember he was always underpriced because he doesn't, you know, hit for power and everything. But you hit in the middle of a good lineup and you're getting on base and yep. get a couple hits a night, driving some runs like you look at his, let's do the bat X projection, 280 with a 348 OBP, 16 homers, five steals, 75-70. Like, that's pretty darn good, especially where you're yeah, getting him in drafts. No. So, like, I, it's one of those things. He's kind of quiet and boring to many, but he's a very good ball player. So, it was a good signing for the Astros. The Padres, when you think they're done, they're not. It's, it's <laughs> absolutely amazing. And unlike the Mariners who trade a lot, these are actually relevant trades for the Padres. Yeah. So they go and get another starting pitcher because, you know, six and seven is not enough. Let's just get more, which, A, could, could really concern you about Lamette. But um, Joe Musgrove gets traded to the Padres. Everyone's waiting for him to, to mm-hmm. be the next big thing every year. It's a new discussion about Musgrove. Now he gets a new environment, too. Does this pique your interest at all? Because he's already going close to pick 100-ish these days. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, price is, is a concern. But you know, anytime you're talking about must Grove, you know, you gotta you get you must have him. I and mean, what are you gonna do? Um, I, you know, the Lamette thing. So, so I'm not drafting Lamette. Um, and and on the face, you kind of think, well, this is the Padres saying they're worried about Lamette. 
but then they've, you know, they've come out and said, look, you know, we don't, you know, Lamette's fine, which, okay. You can believe that he might be fine at this moment. I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure he thinks he's fine. He's not throwing um, baseball. He's probably fine on the catch. We're good. Yeah, I mean, it's fine. Like, uh, but they said even if he's, you know, regardless of health, we're not going to let him pitch a full starters, you know, workload. So we're bringing in extra starters because we don't think anyone, you know, we're we're expecting kind of some. I don't know if it's attrition necessarily, but we're not going to treat these guys like this is a normal season. And so we're bringing in Joe because, you know, we want more bodies. Okay. Um, I can believe that it doesn't make me feel great about it because again, you know, that's just a, that's a mess there. There's so many pitchers. There were some, you know, and they have even beyond just the pitchers, you go look at who they've got, you know, their top six. I think there's young guys we're excited about um, that, that whole rotation is a little bit messy. Now I like Joe Musgrove. I think as long as you expect closer to 150 or 160 innings instead of 180 innings, I think you can be happy. I'm a little concerned with where he's being drafted, that he is being drafted as if this is a guy who's shown us he can pitch a full season and stay healthy. And he hasn't shown us that. Um, so I don't, I don't have a lot of Joe Musgrove, not because I don't like him, but because it is a, it's an aggressive price right now. When you hit a couple of very important things, there is AJ Preller did come out and say like, Lamette's healthy, but we're going to limit his innings and we're going to limit the staff's innings. Like he's basically mm-hmm. already said they're going to go six man rotation, yep. which a lot of teams are going to, are are whispering about now. Like it is mm-hmm. not as widespread yet, but come spring, I wouldn't be shocked if it's like at least a third, if not close to half the league. Uh, it could be even more than that are doing six man yeah. rotations because of the concern of that shortened season. Then going back to the full go, um, you know, Darvish, Snell, Lamette, Musgrove, Paddock, that's just five. Like you mentioned, there's guys in the minors. There's a lot to like there in San Diego real quick on this Musgrove at probably a six man rotation level. It's going around. He's creeping towards pick 100. Another guy creeping towards pick 100 that, for me, still costs too much, even though I'm a diehard Giants fan, is Kevin Gossman. But at least Gossman's locked into his job for now. Mm-hmm. Um, like It should be in a five-man rotation. Then again, that could change too. Do you prefer Gossman over uh, Musgrove, or do you just prefer neither? Um, I don't have a ton of either, but yeah. given the choice, I'm probably taking Gossman. Um but but I really don't have a ton of either because again you know round pick one hundred the early one you know maybe one twenty something like that especially in the best ball formats where pitching's a premium it's just I'm just not certain enough in these guys um, so and I'm I'm kind of risk averse in some of the in some of that aspect so um, you know that's more I think as you know more about my style than it is about the the players I think the players are good. Um, I do like uh, if I have a shorter roster. So um, over on on the BB tens where you only start four pitchers, I actually think it makes more sense to take a gamble on guys like uh, Gossman um, and Joe Musgrove because you don't need uh, the full complement of innings from them for them to be good. And so um, you know on on Fantrax you're starting nine pitchers, so you're not going to have as many replacement guys. You know you you know you may only have sixteen pitchers total um, versus over in the BB ten you start four pitchers. I generally am going to draft 12. So, you know, I think sometimes you can, depending on your roster format can, uh, or the, the format of your league, you know, it can change whether those guys make sense or not. No, that's a good way to put it. Cause uh, yeah, Gossman, I, I'm with you is they're great and all, but there's a lot of risk involved, but in, in the formats that, that is a very good call in that situation. I'm going to add the next guy to the bottom of our list here. So we'll talk about him in a little bit, but uh, we'll go with Archie Bradley. He signs with the Philadelphia Phillies. This was kind of a surprise to me in this sense. You have Hector Neres, who hasn't been great, but he's been a decent closer. You went and traded for Jose Alvarado, so it felt like you had a lefty-righty closing situation pretty much in the books. But the Phillies' bullpen's always been a mess, so they go and sign Archie Bradley, 
and reports out of Philadelphia, and obviously it is January. So these reports, it could be all kinds of things. It's Bradley's the closer. That's what they're saying. So what's your thoughts on Archie Bradley, who was coming at a very good discount in drafts right now? Ugh, I don't know. Like, you know, like, like you said, you know, closer declarations in January, you know, I, how much is that worth? Um, I'd be shocked if we didn't see some type of, you know, whether they call it a committee or, um, you know, um, just a, just a split. Uh, I, I, I'd be surprised if we don't see shares amongst all those guys. I just, it's hard to see them just saying, well, Archie's our guy and we're just going to run it for the season. Uh, Especially when, like, you look at his numbers, like, yeah, I mean, he's been a closer, so he's got the, you know, closing experience, but it's not like he's a lockdown guy. Um, you know, I don't know that he's the guy that I'm handing the keys to in the ninth and just saying, well, this is, you know, it's just yours. You can have it. Um, but yeah, it, it's you get a discount. I mean, at the beginning of the year, especially in leagues that, you know, you know, if you have ad drops, then I think he makes a ton more sense um, than in a best ball which is like draft and hold where, you know, you're not going to have any roster changes. And obviously he makes more sense in Roto than best ball, but those are the kind of closers in best ball specifically. I don't want I don't really want anything to do with. Yeah. In a draft and hold that I'm in right now, the battle of the podcast leagues in like round 44, 45, I, I picked up Jose Alvarado just thinking, you know, later on I can use him, but um, it's a very sticky situation. Like you Mm -hmm. said, I, I have zero Archie Bradley at all right now. I was cool with the Hector Neris, and if anything, it makes Hector Neris and Jose Alvarado's price tag drop, so you can play that game as well. Uh, the New York Yankees are busy, and that's uh, always a scary thing. It's uh, They're spending money, and they went first off and got uh, Corey Kluber. Everyone went to his – I think there's like four teams that didn't go to his throwing yeah. day, so uh, I'll name it that way easier. But the Yankees signed Corey Kluber, and there's always concerns with Kluber, but it's one of those things if he's – on he's still one of the better pitchers in baseball so what's your takes on Corey Kluber whoo man talk about a talk about an interesting guy because yeah if if he's Corey Kluber right like if, if that's what we're getting then he's a steal right now in drafts um I'm skeptical that that's what we're getting um you know I, I think it, it does sound like the velocity numbers were kind of encouraging in that you know if if, if that's him ramping up if that's him kind of you know that's his off season and he's going to go go up from there you know that's interesting I, th- I think um, but I think the problem is, is that someone's always going to be a little more interested in, in, uh, in Corey Kluber than I am. Like, I just think I'm, I'm never going to be the high guy in the room. Um, he's coming off two years basically without pitching in extensive innings. Um, it's hard for me to, to see him just trot out there and, and just say, Hey, you're going six, seven innings. You're going to go Corey Kluber depth in these innings. Um, I just don't see it. Yeah, it, it's tough. I'm looking at the projections right now. And I had to pull up the calculator here, but like the bat, okay, the, so the bat and steamer have them both for 26 starts, and they're basically averaging about five and a half to six innings of start, which I think it's kind of realistic. Like we could see that happening, but they haven't had a K in inning, uh, ERA in the low fours, not horrible, not great. He's going around like 262 right now in draft and holds. Um, he's going around guys like Eliezer Hernandez and Dane Dunning. And stuff like that. It almost feels like Kluber's worth a chance at that point if you're looking for pitching. What about you? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, you're talking about a guy in his age 35 season. Um, I think he's a guy I'm more interested in in a format where I can drop players. I think I yeah, want like you know, like this is a guy I want to see what he's got, and then he's gone. And and again, he's probably another example of a guy like depending on how he looks in spring, that price is going to change. Um, right, right now, I think that's a reasonable price as far as like there's it's not like you're buying anything guaranteed in that area um and you know you you take a gamble on a guy um but yeah i mean we're talking about 
his age 35 season. I just, I'm hard pressed to be encouraged, I guess is, is where I come back. Yeah. Cause you know, there's nothing that, you know, he, he came off, he comes off a lot of health. This is always the weird guys to, to diagnose health wise too. And we're just like, they've been healthy. They had some weird things happen. How do we feel about their health now? And the reality is like the things he had happen aren't necessarily things we expect to happen again. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Shoulder shrug. That's, that's the real hard hitting analysis here. No, I, I don't blame you. That's why he's a tricky one. He's a guy I couldn't even trust last year and like it paid off last year, but I didn't have a good argument for it. Like I just, right. it's, it's tough with him because I feel like he's one of those guys that if his stuff isn't as good as it used to be, he's smart enough to pitch good. Like if that makes sense, mm-hmm. like he could be yeah. a pitcher, not a thrower and there's, and he'll still be effective. So it's tricky. Um, the Yankees make another move, though. They bring back DJ the Mayhew. It's a great baseball move. Mm-hmm. He's a great fantasy player. I don't. I, I've been off on him the entire time at his draft cost. He's going in the top forty, sometimes top thirty, depending on what league you're in. Multi position guy, which is great. Not so much in best ball for fan tracks, but um, from a fantasy perspective, it's phenomenal. But what are you doing with DJ? Where it's just tough for me, at least, to take him that early. Yeah, I haven't taken him in a single fan tracks best ball league for the for the. You don't get the benefit of that multi position eligibility. Um, you don't get the big benefit from his batting average. It, it doesn't doesn't give you that the benefit that you get in a roto league. Um, I think over on the NFBC that uses multi position for their best ball leagues, he makes more sense. Uh, and now that he's staying in New York. I think his price is pretty close to what, you know, if you factor in what I, you know, some extra, you know, I mean, an extra buck or something for the multi-position eligibility, I think he's going right around where his, his price would suggest as a Yankee. My problem was is people were paying that price, assuming he was a Yankee and I wasn't a 100% convinced on that. So I may have some shares now. I feel a little bit better about where he's at, you know, unless for some reason this drives him up, I, I can't imagine him going any higher. So, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's great for him. I do think it makes me feel better about drafting him. Uh, the fact that we're secure and where he's at and, and, and the value that I think that provides. Yeah, no doubt about that. So now we'll talk some quick hitters here. There were some smaller moves that on a season long redraft situation, probably not going to happen. You're probably just going to, these are waiver wire type guys, streaming options. Um, and the best ball draft and holds, there's a discussion to be had. So that's why I'm going to ask Derek Rhodes, these questions, the Nats signed John Lester. Now we don't care about how long we know what Lester is. He's getting older, but he's one of those guys that pretty much will be out there every fifth day. There's not a lot to worry about there, which is what we want in best ball formats. He's going after pick 600. Is he a guy that all of a sudden interests you? Or are you still like, nah, I'll, I'll go, I'll, I'll go like a Rick Porcello or somebody else. Yeah. Hard pass. A hard pass. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm content to leave him there after pick 600. Um, you know, I, I think your best case scenario is a league average ERA. And I don't know that I would call that likely. Uh, the projections have him at a five ERA. Most of the projection systems are hovering around five. Um, yeah, I think that's, I think that's about right. Which, you know, if, if, if league average is 4.5, that means he's a well below league average guy at his age. I don't, you know, you health could shorten his season and the nationals certainly aren't going to be invested in him if something better comes along. So yeah, that's a, that's an easy pass for me. It's going to be fun to hear the other answers in because there's some other pitchers like, whew. Um, but we'll, we'll, go to, we'll, go, we'll go to the catcher real quick there. And uh, the Angels, they have Max Stassi, and there's kind of been questions on his health and whatnot. So they went and signed Kurt Suzuki. He's always been a really good platoon catcher the last few years. Fantasy-wise, can cause a headache, but, you know, there's those weeks where he's still very productive. Um, is there any interest in a Kurt Suzuki? He's going out and pick like 460-ish or so right now. Yeah, this one actually bummed me out a little bit because I'm a Max, I'm a Max Stassi guy. I really yeah. I like him. Um 
you know, I, I think there's something there and I still think there is, I mean, they didn't pay very much for Kirk, Kirk Suzuki. So, um, you know, I, I don't think, you know, you're in a two catcher league, 50 rounds. You want to have him as your backup, you know, number two, you know, like your fourth catcher or something like that, or third catcher, you know, I, I think you could do worse. Um, you know, my hope is that he's on a short side of that, uh, timeshare and, and, uh, uh, but obviously he's, you know, he's been valuable the last few years when he's played. I'm with you. I've got Stassi in a lot of leagues. So I actually drafted him in the draft and hold I'm in now. And then the Suzuki news broke. So later in the draft, I took Suzuki yeah. kind of caveat that, which in, that works best ball a little different, but it still can yeah. help at times. Um, another signing that kind of, I remember last year, Tyler chat with everyone, all oh, the pitch mix change. He's doing great. Everyone's on board <sighs> and then blow ups ensued because um, he walks too many guys. So what's your take? Tyler Chatwood got signed, re-signed with the Cubbies, uh, six sixty-ish. Um, so the 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 thing with Chatwood is like, so if you compare him to a guy like John Lester, um, you know, I think you can you can look at Chatwood and say, well, he's young enough, maybe something changes. Like maybe maybe you can you know, so you draft him, he's going to be projected for some rough in you know some rough uh, stats, some rough innings, but you know you go well, maybe he's still kind of tweaking his his pitch mix, which that was he did tweak it last uh, last year. Some uh, I think Alex Fast had a post about that recently. Um, so I think you know with with Chatwood, if you want to take a shot late in a forty or fifty round you know best ball, I could see it. Um, you know, he's certainly not my favorite. And we'll talk some more about some guys who I think would be better down in that area. But, you know, you're talking about after 600, you know, that's, a, you know, for, for a, you know, you're not, there's no best ball I know of that's drafting past 600. Um, generally, you know, there's going to be 12 team, 50, 50 round league. So then at that point, you're talking like a draft and hold DC, you know, type format. And, you know, what are your options down there? It's not great. So, you know, uh, you could probably do worse, I guess. I like to think I know the player pool pretty well, but like from rounds forty on in this fifteen team draft and hold, it's been <laughs> it's been very entertaining. Like we've yeah. we're in like the seven hundreds now, and I'm just sitting there going, oh, "This isn't even a dynasty draft. Like, what are we doing right now?" Um, and I want to correct it. Chat would resign with or sign with it's the Toronto, Blue Jays. Right? Yeah. yeah, the next guy I had the mixed up here. Shelby Miller signed with Chicago Cubs, and. Real quick with Chatwood, the difference between him and Lester for me is Chatwood can get strikeouts when he's on. Lester, not yeah. so much. Um, Shelby Miller. Now, for me, your Lester response kind of goes to my Shelby Miller response. Yeah. So what do you think about Shelby Miller? <laughs> no, no, I'm right with you. I, I, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I heard I, what you said. I'm like, oh, well, that just sums up that one. So yeah. let's move on to the next one here where this is an intriguing one because we saw at times last year he was somewhat fantasy viable, and that's Martin Perez. He re-signs mm-hmm. with the – um, Boston Red Sox, and he's he's another guy, you know, pick six seventy ish. So again, not really in best ball drafts, but you're going late. Like Joey Lacasey's there, Mike Fires is there. Um, is a Martin Perez of any interest to you? Yeah, I actually think, especially in you know, I don't know that I'd play him in Roto because you're not getting the the K benefit. You know, the, the, I think the K upside is so low relative to the the potential ERA. Um, hit but you know for best ball i think he belongs in front of some of those guys uh especially now that he has a he has a guaranteed job he's gonna run out you know boston's they're not good um they like to think they're good i think sometimes they talk about wanting to be good but they're not good uh so he's gonna pitch and um you know i don't know that they have enough pitchers to have a six-man rotation so they could be one of the few five ro- five-man rotations in baseball you know, so at the back end, if you're trying to get that last pitcher on a roster, I think you could do worse than getting some innings out of a guy like Martin Perez. Yeah, he showed viability at times last year, mm-hmm. so I, I'm with you there. I'm like, you know, Shelby Miller, not so much, but Martin no. showed, his, showed his moments. 
Now here comes Alex Wood, who we've seen be good at times. We've also seen on the IL quite a bit, um, but he comes to San Francisco. We've seen how that works from time to time. I believe once, well, it's California, so maybe no spectators, but once they do things, the, the ballpark will go back to normal is what I'm trying to say. Cause the reason it wasn't there is cause they closed the gates for those that didn't, right. weren't paying attention. That changed the whole wind flow. That was the whole point of the stadium. Um, that's why the ball flew. So Alex Wood coming to the Giants, he's around pick 530. Does he interest you? Is there too much injury concern? What do you thought thought on Wood? I mean, I am interested, uh, but probably not in a format where where um, where you, you can't make any changes because I th- I think the the likelihood that you draft him and then he pitches ten to twelve innings it's not 100 you know it's not the most likely outcome but it's more likely than most pitchers um because his inability to stay healthy is just it, it's you know it, there's lots of examples of it but you know san francisco apparently likes broken pitchers that's like yes. that's their thing it's like let's let's find broken pitchers and fix them um yeah. so you know in that regard i think it's a good landing spot for him i am pretty interested to see what happens he's a guy who if i have a deep you know um deep league uh, that adds ads drops, like I'm going to keep an eye on him in the season because I, I do think that there there could be something there. There could definitely be times of the year where he's very streamable, mm-hmm. like yeah. very much so. And now now that we're thinking about this, I said earlier, Kevin Gossman, no six-man. Wood might make it so the Giants go six-man. So that's something to think about as well. Cause then they can, you know, they have they Cueto. said if they're going to start him or if, or like no, if, or, that, okay. that, that, that hasn't come out yet. But I'm thinking you, know, you got Cueto who's coming back from injuries and all these other right. guys. could be interesting. It feels like long relief makes the most sense for Alex Wood. Like like the guy who pitches like three innings a week or, you know, maybe maybe he pitches three innings twice a week or something like that. But like, you know, he's not up every day. Yeah. Um, it just seems like the kind of guy that might might have a role in this season. Yeah, he's an opener type. Like yeah. I, I'm with you there. And like Beattie coming back from, from his injury, like I think he's coming back a month and a half or two into the season. They'd be a perfect pairing to kind of limit innings. Um, a guy that will, that most people weren't too scared to – to, to draft regardless of landing spot is J.A. Happ, who's going around a little after pick 400. He signs with the Minnesota Twins, which a little excited about, to be honest, in that division. So um, what's your thoughts on Happ as a late-around target? Yeah, I'm more interested now than I was. Um, I think until I knew where he was going to land, out, he was a guy because I think, um, number one, I do think he has, he has some you know ballpark-dependent a little bit. Um, you know, club dependent too. You want him to know that he's going to go to a smart club. And I think uh, the twins, you know, have shown that they're, you know, that they're willing to try some new things with pitchers and things like that. Um, you know, I think he's a guy that you expect five innings, not six, seven. Um, and if, and if you have a good reasonable expectation, I think, I think he's a guy worth drafting. I think he's, he's going to be on more of my teams now than he was before I knew where he was going to go. I don't know that about that. And the last guy, and this is more so if you're in a deep, deep league. But uh, Jason Castro. This is really my good, favorite. This is my favorite guy on this list. Really good defensive yes. catcher. If yes. Martin Maldonado wasn't there, I'd be way more excited. Because I was all in on Castro last year when he was supposed to be the starter and then things changed. But what's your takes on this? Because maybe he, he's got the platoon split advantage and yeah. that's what they're going to do. So what's your thought here? I like it. I like it a lot. I'm a Jason Castro guy. Uh, I you know I think there's some interesting things going on with his batted ball data. Um, I, I want him. And, you know, I should let me let me put this in let me clarify where I want him at because I, I want him in like the late four hundreds you know like if I'm if I'm uh, one of my preferences when I'm drafting is 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 
to get uh, to either get an early guy or punt completely and just wait and get a bunch of scrubs at the end. And if I do that punt move, then Jason Castro is a guy I like taking a shot on at the end as one of three catchers or something like that in a one catcher league, or maybe he's your fourth catcher in a two catcher league. Cause I think, I think there's some room for him to be good. And, and Martin Maldonado is such an offensive like suck. Like, and so, you know, I think Houston, like if they can get some value out of him there, they will. Yeah, and the lefty advantage there, he's he's sneaky good. Like, he's not going to have a lot of power, but his average is pretty good mm-hmm. for a catcher. Like, I'm with you. That's why I was all in on him last year, and then, you know, things changed. But Yeah, things didn't work out last year. No, they started bringing people in. But I think it's an interesting spot for him for sure. But, all right, that wraps up our recent news segment, which is good to have that many, like, hot stove activities. Mm-hmm. So, hopefully, that's a sign of things to come because I think I still saw – we're like – 85% still out there. So yeah, we still got, a lot of bodies. Yeah. Got a long ways to go, but uh, let's talk some best ball. And we're going to talk later round best ball because uh, we've talked to a lot of other guys have talked about uh, earlier round targets and whatnot, but let's talk some of your later round targets. Sure. Uh, you've done so many of these drafts. You've released the, uh, the ADPs for the best balls I've been doing, which has been super cool to look at and people appreciated. But before we get into kind of players so much, how do you approach the later rounds in, in a best ball draft? Like how does it differ for you than say a, like a redraft league? Sure. Absolutely. So, um, and I think that's actually the the best place to start is, is when you're talking about how you're, how you're approaching this, um, you should not be taking like shots on players. Um, you know, in, in, you think of best ball, the way you think of, um, the way you think of a draft and hold this team that you are drafting, that's all you have for the rest of the year. The difference between best ball and draft and hold, uh, and then I'll talk about the difference between that and uh, ad pickup. In, in a draft and hold, um, you have to choose to start a player at the beginning of the week. So if a guy's got a bad matchup or something like that, you know he's your 40th drafted player, you've got healthy options, you're not going to start him, right? Like you're not going to play him. But in a best ball, he could have bad matchups, have a great week, and, and then score for your team, be beneficial to your team. So – when the reason that's relevant is in best ball, you always want guys to be playing. So whether they're good, bad, good matchups, bad matchups, you want them to be getting on the field because that at least gives them a chance to score well. And you don't have to pick the weeks in which they're going to score well because this, the computer is going to do that for you in the scoring. So the way that should translate when you compare best ball to say like a regular, you know, ad drop league is in an ad drop league, you're picking up guys, you're going to stream them. You know, you would say, okay, this guy's going to be on my roster for a couple of weeks and then I'm going to move on because he's not, doesn't have a secure job. Or maybe I just took a gamble to see if he was going to pop or something like that. But you can't do that in best ball because let's say he doesn't pop and now you're a month into the season and you have a dead roster spot. The guys in, in, you know, maybe he's in the minor leagues, maybe, uh, maybe he's, you know, been moved from a starting role to a bullpen role, something like that. Um, you, you can't afford that in best ball. So, so that means for me, I'm targeting players that have jobs. Uh, I'm not targeting minor league players. Um, now some people do. Um, but in my, in my opinion, the, the risk of that player, not, not playing for two months is, is, is worse than having a, or sorry, is greater than having a bad player, um, you know, not perform for two months. Um, so I, I want guys with jobs. I want, um, I am avoid the mind, the young guys. Um, I try and watch my injury risk because again, I, you know, it's okay if a guy's out for a month, you don't want a guy out for a season. Um, and then the last thing for me is, is, 
is know your format. So in, in fan tracks, it's 480 picks, unless you're in a Bubba draft and that's 600. Okay. Uh, and then over at the uh, NFBC, uh, the BB tens, they only go 380, 84 picks, I think. So it's, it's actually a much shallower format. Uh, but then they have another format that, that does the 12, uh, 12 team, 50 rounds. Those are 600 picks. Um, so kind of have an idea of, of the types of players in those, in those areas um, and know which positions run out quicker. And we'll kind of talk about that as we work through these positions. Yeah. And I think there's a lot, a lot of good there, obviously. And that's something I keep learning doing this is it's uh, it's not always the most sexy names. It's just get guys that are going to get at bats guys that are gonna, like, I almost want to think of it as now you're playing AL or NL only leagues. So I'm thinking mm-hmm. about, you, yeah. you, you just want guys that are playing mm-hmm. like, you know, just think about it that way. And that'll, that'll help you out. Like you said, we'll, we'll kind of go into that here. Like I just went through a stretch in, in the draft and hold where I took um, Chris Archer, Michael Fulmer, Danny Duffy, like all in order. I was like, they're not great. They're not mm-hmm. sexy, but they're going to pitch. So let's just roll with it. But uh, we'll go position by position. Derek will give you a com- couple of the guys that he kind of targets later in drafts or, or sees going later in drafts and his thoughts there. But we'll start with catcher. And um, it's not the, again, not the sexiest position, but – Right. In fan tracks, you only start one a week, so you're probably going for a cut, like three or four on your roster. Um, what are one or two later round catching targets for you? Sure, and I'll tell people the way I did this is I actually looked at my shares. I track all all my drafts. I'm getting about forty five. Uh, I'll be in about a week. I'll be done with fifty or so drafts, and so I track all my player shares. And uh, I went and looked at who are the guys that I'm getting the most past. I define late as past pick three hundred, and I kind of have some picks next to these so I can tell people because obviously you go to four eighty. There's you know there's a lot of room in there, but it kind of depends on the player. Some some positions I don't draft late. I just I'm just gonna quit at that position at a certain yeah. point. Uh, but for catcher, we talked about it a little bit. I like Max Stassi. Um, he's going like three eighty in these fan tracks leagues. Um, I like Jason Castro as, as a third catcher. And then a guy who's a little, he's right around 300 or a little more like 340 is Carson Kelly. I like Carson Kelly. Um, you know, you guys talked about uh, Dalton Varsho on the last, uh, on the last pod, I think. Mm-hmm. And I, they don't, I don't think he's going to get that as much time as people want him mm-hmm. to get. Uh, and that makes me feel good about Carson Kelly. Cause that means I think that he's getting a lion's share of the time there. And, uh, a catcher in a, and especially in best ball where you don't get penalized for their crappy batting average. Um, that's a good player. You know, that's a good player to have. Uh, so if I ever want to go with like two catchers, so maybe I draft like Wilson Contreras and then Carson Kelly, because I feel like between the two of those guys, I've got playing time. And then I just have those two guys in a one catcher league. Um, something like that. I like that. Cause I'm already mentioned I'm, I'm a stassy guy with you and then Castro. Now that he's got that job, very intriguing. But I like the Kelly call because, like we said on the last pod uh, with with Varsho, it's if he was going to play at all, it was mainly going to be in the outfield to begin with. And now the reports are that he's probably going to stay in Reno because they wanted to hit every day. Mm-hmm. That, like you said, that locks up Kelly, who a guy going into last season I was really high on, and then they kind of messed with him a little bit, so it kind of bugged me. But now again, it seems like it's back to his gig. So I, I like that call a bit. I'm actually honestly surprised he's going that late. Uh, yeah, I, I was going to look to see where surprising. he was going in the the Bubba drafts. Um, I have it pulled up here. He's going three. He went three eighty on average in the the wow. four drafts that have been done so far for the Bubba best ball. So, I mean, that's that's late, guys. You know, I think that's too late. Um, Way too late. That's surprising. Wow. Yeah. Uh, let's keep that circled. Um, first base now. First base is a fun position because 
it's kind of deep, but kind of weird deep. But I think at best ball, it's good deep because those later guys actually have okay OBPs. So I know that was a lot of confusion on what I just said there, but it makes <laughs> sense if you really think about it. So what's your later first base targets? So I'm actually – I'm the opposite on you. I hate okay. late first base. I like, I do not like late first base. Like there's a point where it gets where if I don't have three first basemen, then I'll just run with two because I really am just not a fan. Um, so basically kind of, I want to have my personal preference is I want to have three first basemen before pick 350 because I think the guys after 350, I think they're rough. I think they, and this is a fan track specific thing. It's because of the eligibility. It's because it's single position eligibility. It shortens up that pool pool. I think if you draft a BB, a best ball somewhere over like an FBC, I don't feel like it feels as shallow. Um, but that's just my preference. Some of it is these guys. Uh, and I know you asked for a name and I'm giving us you know, like a soapbox here, but um, no, it's fine. It's better uh, that way. Give your whole logic behind it. <laughs> some of it is the playing time uncertainty with some of these first basemen, Rowdy Telez being a perfect example of a guy. He's actually going in the, in the, like the late two hundreds in the Bubba drafts. And I don't know how, no, how much playing time he's going to have. Uh, Andrew Vaughn's another guy that people are drafting. I don't know how much playing time. Yeah. Like, so like, you know, those kinds. So, so the range of guys that I kind of tend to settle in as my last third base, first baseman, if I haven't picked one is the Yuli Gurriel, Brandon Mm -hmm. Belt, Evan White group. They all tend to go really close together. They're in the late, like the mid three hundreds, right around three twenty, three thirty, three forty. 340. Um, I want one of those guys. If that's kind of like my line in the sand. Uh, And the guy I've ended up the most with is Brandon Belt. It's funny you say that because now that you say that, we're, we are on the same page because okay. I didn't think they were going that early in my head because I just did it in best ball five that I have running right now. I just took yeah. Brandon Belt to pick in round like 32 or something. Yeah. Because – Which is great. Was, That's fantastic. It was, it, was, it was literally Belt and White that were left. I'm like, I want one of these two, and I'm taking them now. But it was the same process you just went through in your head, and he was my third first baseman, and I'm done. I think it was it was because, you know, like, like I'm looking at the ADP. I, I pulled up the, the tableau here. Like CJ Cron's fun and all, but where's he going to play? I mean, he could be a know. backup role. I mean, we don't even know if he has a starting job, right? Like, so, yeah. yeah. Same with Renato Nunez. Like, mm-hmm. he was great in Baltimore, but where's he going? Yep. Um, a lot of people are flocking to Miguel Cabrera. Yeah, if you want to roll the dice, there. I, I mean, I get it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, could, he could he could Miguel you. I don't want it, but he could do it. Uh, Garrett Cooper, yep. like like the only the only other guy can really sit back and go, you know what. But the problem is you have to hope the Rockies don't make any moves. I do yep. like Josh Fuentes if he's a starting first base, which he's projected to be right now. Can you we have like him? three months for the Rockies yeah. to screw that up. Yeah, I, you can't trust them. They're <laughs> yeah. just they're proven time and time again. That's the they problem. are not trustworthy. If you get desperate, uh, you could drop down to Choi, I think. you know, Yeah. But only in best ball because I think it's he's a mess in a, in where you're, if you have to pick what weeks to start him. But in best ball, he could have three hot games, and that would be enough for him to be startable. Hundred percent. Yeah, I like that call as well. Um, let's head to second base now, which sure. is a, another interesting position. And uh, what are some of the the targets you have there? Yeah, so second base is a spot I, I spend get a lot of guys deep in second base. I seem to be waiting at second base. So starting after pick three hundred, I have three guys that I seem to get a lot of. Uh, Colton Wong's one of them. Um, I think he's going around three thirty. I've been getting him. Yeah, right around there, three thirty, three forty. I think he goes up once he gets a job. I feel confident he's going to get a job. Maybe I'll look stupid in a couple months, um, but I think he's going to get a starting job somewhere. Um, and then Starlin Castro, I just, you know, he got hurt last year. You know, I think he's good. And and until Washington signs someone else to to kind of, you know, make me more uncertain about the playing time, I'm comfortable with him. Um, and then the last guy is uh, Adam Frazier. 
uh, going off at like 375 on average. Yeah, I'll take that. Um, he's got a guaranteed job. He probably is leading off. Um, it's not a good team, but, you know, he's going to play every day. I, I love all those. Um, Wong, we know what he can do. Uh, Frazier's a guy I keep finding myself digging in on more and more. I think that's mm-hmm. a very intriguing one. And then Castro, I talk about him for season-long redraft leagues. I think yeah, he's such a yeah. such a great value at where he's going. So it's best too late. Ball, yeah, it doesn't make sense late. to me. Yeah, I don't. You can have the middle of the order for crying out loud. I think. Well, do you think probably so? Fifth, fifth maybe. Yeah, fifth, I, fifth. I say like fifth, but they probably sign one more guy. I don't know who it is, but I got to think yeah. that there's one more body coming there. Uh, but yeah, either way, he's going to have plenty of people in front of him. That lineup's better now. Like, yeah, I like Starling Castro. Yeah, but as a whole, there's a lot to likes from say mm-hmm. pick two fifty to three fifty or so at yeah. three seventy at the second base position. That gives you some leeway just looking at this to kind of go, okay, I don't have to force my hand early if I don't need to. Right. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of guys there. I agree. And that's kind of what this discussion is supposed to help people with is to kind of navigate your draft a little differently. Um, with that being said, let's head to shortstop, which we know is super super deep. Um, at least early on in the draft. Mm-hmm. And then it gets interesting. Like it's the position that has, you know, like 20 plus guys you want to draft, but they go. So most of them go so early. It makes the later rounds a little more murky, but yeah. uh, what do you like back there? So, you know, then this is the position that is, I think still has a lot of shifting to do. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know where, uh, you know, this got shaken up with the, with the Lindor trade, because not only does Lindor, excuse me, a little shuffle at the top, but then uh, on fan tracks, Andres Jimenez, 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 Andres Jimenez and um, Ahmed Rosario, both are shortstop eligible only. So then both of those guys value go up. And now we're thinking maybe Rosario maybe goes up more because Jimenez going to let, you know, Jimenez, sorry, is going to maybe be in the minors. Maybe some speculation that we're seeing from our Cleveland friends. Uh, um, Yes. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's interesting. His ADP has been a fun one. I think it's been a bit of a roller coaster. Um, so, yeah, but there is some good, good names at the end of shortstop. I think Ahmed Rosario has not moved up enough yet. I think that he should be going inside the, the, the top 300 um, because he's going to play. Just to, If you just, especially in best ball, if you just look at the playing time and go, look, you're a full-time player, then you should go at a certain spot. And uh, so, I, you know, and I think he'll hit in the front part of that order. Um so yeah, I, I like Rosario. If you're still getting him around 300, I think that's still a really, really good deal. He was going like 380 before. I mean, he was going way late. Um, JP Crawford is a guy I like going off at like in in the mid 300s. Uh, he's a guy I end up with a lot. Yeah, and Crawford's a guy that thanks to your your best ball tool, like I knew who he was. I knew he had the great start mm-hmm. last year and then kind of wavered off and on the rest of the season. But your tool, like emphasizes how good his his walk skills are like he's a very good obp guy which obviously translates to runs and potential steals yeah so like when you look at the redraft roto format you're looking at that power number you're like that's not great average it's mediocre but man best ball wise he is going too late like yeah and and he's a great guy i think these guys are super interesting in best ball his defense will keep like even if his offense is bad his defense is so good it keeps him on the field and i think that's really important in best ball because it helps you establish the floor so like when people talk about taking shots or or you know reaching on a guy late i would rather reach on a a a poor offensive player who has enough defense that i am confident they will stay in the lineup as opposed to i got into a discussion the other day i I think you were in this bubble roman quinn yeah. Yeah. Like, so he's an interesting guy because 
Um, he has skills that we like offensively, but it's uncertain if his defensive skills are valuable enough to overweight, you know, so it's like, so I think, you know, looking at those guys, I think is interesting. Um, that, and that didn't, I didn't mean that as a shot, but more of just, no, like, no, it's a know, great discussion. As point. we're kind of thinking about mm-hmm. what keeps this person in the lineup. No, the Roman Quinn one, I'm, I'm, I'll come back to shortstop here in a minute, but the yeah. Roman Quinn one, I liked the, I, I like when I can have a challenging discussion, but it's civil. Twitter's hard to have the civil part. And well, that's where it gets I was cursing you offline. I was like, this, but this, yeah. this guy. Right <laughs> but we kept it there, so that's good. But um, <laughs> like we, we were able to talk about it, and I knew your viewpoint. You knew mine. We didn't agree, but it wasn't like we were like mad at each other. So it was. Right. It made me think, though, because literally, like I'm sitting there doing other stuff, thinking, okay, well, he's got a good point here. I think that's why one of my last tweets was like, okay, this might be better used for a, this type of format than you know the best ball format right. we talked about. So it kind of changed my viewpoint on it, where I was super heavy over here. Maybe I should temper that back and go over here because it made me start thinking of what you were talking about, which made a lot more sense. Because um, I get excited about his steals and everything, but you know, in reality, he's a late round pick for a reason, right? And then you got to start thinking about all that. But bringing it back to shortstop, that's how you kind of mentioned the, the playing time with Crawford. I think another good example who isn't a sexy pick, and a lot of people don't draft him in redraft formats, but in a best ball with his ADP around three forty, at least in the Bubba drafts, is Nick Ahmed. His defense is so good. He's yeah. like a gold glove shortstop. He's playing every day. He goes through ways where he's a really good offensive player, other ways where he's not great, but he's playing every day. So that's right. tremendous. So I'm with yeah. you there. I think guys like Miguel Rojas is nice. Um, but the Rosario call I like a lot because uh, Jimenez, you know, I think the, the draft four happened after the trade because he went from 442 to 289. Yeah, so that was right. like quite the jump. But um, I like the Rosario call. He's 25 years old. He had a rough year last year, which he mentioned a little entry, little kind of changes on things, but he's a double digit home run and stolen base guy. Like he's going to play every day. So I like that quite a bit. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's go to third base position. This is the position that's tricky. And it's one that I feel, and I could be wrong, even a lot more drafts, dries up. So what's yeah. your thoughts oh, on third base? I completely agree. Yeah. No, I agree completely. Um, it's one that uh, makes me a little nervous. Um, it's, it's a little bit like first base that I tend to just, uh, I'm going to try and get in early and then, uh, and then, you know, be out. Um, so guys that, that I really just have a couple names. Um, a guy I've gotten a decent amount of is Evan Longoria. Um, I've got, I'm getting him around 380. Um, you know, there's some fun stuff there in the batted ball profile. He seems to be hitting the ball hard still. Um, you know, obviously the park played better last year, but you know, he's going to play every day. The lineup is is decent, um, ish, and and I like him as a as a hitter in in an OBP league. I think he does good things for you. So yeah, I, I'm uh, he's a guy I like. Another guy I don't love this as much, but I'll be honest. I think he's kind of everybody's. There's a lot of people who are excited. Edwin Rios. Yeah, I just am not confident that the Dodgers aren't going to yeah. sign someone. Um, <laughs> but if they don't. Yeah, if they don't, that's a good pick. Um, yeah. You know, he's a, he's a guy with some talent. So, but it does it does concern me a little bit. Rios is a guy that I absolutely love, but I'm not in love enough to draft him a lot. It's it's right. it's a it's a tough one. Like, it's one of those. If I knew he had a job, he's ADP at 350. I'd be cool with going like 225 or something. Because right. what he can do with an everyday job, I think, is tremendous. But wow, there's so many question marks and concerns, like you said. Because I wouldn't be shocked if they give Justin Turner a nice one year, like come back and help us out one more time deal. It wouldn't shock me at all. Right. And so and that's I think another reason why Turner's going way ahead of him. So I like Rios, but it's like you talked about earlier in the show about taking the gambles later in rounds. He's a gamble I'm okay with. Yeah. 
because it could turn into an amazing pick. At worst, I think by the end of the season, he's going to be pretty productive. It's just can you can you temper it up till that point? Um, and if the NL has the DH, he probably huge. plays more. You know, yep. so I, I don't I, I like it because I did, there there seems to be some talent there. I'm skeptical mm-hmm. of the playing time, but I I get I get taking that risk. It's not one I would ever tell somebody like, hey, that doesn't make sense to me, even if it's not yep. something I do a ton. Totally. Yeah, I love the Longo call. Mikel Franco would be fun if we knew where he was playing. He could be a right? pitcher. Like, yeah, I mean, it looks like oh, if he man. if he would have stayed in. Uh, Kansas, Kansas City. City, it's like, oh yeah, then Franco. Yeah, I keep staring at that draft every draft. I'm like, oh man, I so want to take him right now, but I'm not going <laughs> to. The only other guy really after that that I've been drafting and comfortably, and I guess it's not that comfortable, but is Joey Wendell because his defense is so good, he's playing every day, but it's not yeah. like he's not crushing the stats. So and it's kind of the a, freaking raise. I mean, yeah. like, you know, like he was left for dead in 2019, right? Like, yeah. like you know, it's like it's tough. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. But it's, it's like the only one after those picks. I'm like, yeah, I could see him playing at least 75% of the time. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's tricky. Uh, let's head to the outfield where obviously there could be a ton of late round targets. Yeah. Give, me a, give me a handful that you like here because yeah. it's, like, it's a good position that you can get some late shares that might be sneaky productive. And this is the position I find myself waiting on the most. Um, second in outfield and pitcher, obviously. But um, but as far as like, I'd rather have my most of my infield positions locked up, and I think there's some good values here in the outfield. Uh, so uh, if you talk best ball specifically, OBP leagues over at Fantrax, sometimes people don't make the adjustments between um, uh, average and OBP leagues, and so that leads to some value. Good example of that is Shogo Akiyama. Um, he's a guy who's you know I, I believe I think he's going to be leading off for for the Reds. I think he's going to play most, if not every day. Um, he made some adjustments towards the end of the season as he was adjusting to, you know, uh, fastball velocities here in the U.S. And he, he said he made some tweaks and you can see it. His numbers, they, you know, the stat cast numbers get better. Everything gets a little bit better. And he's not going to be like a stat cast darling or anything like that's just not the kind of player he is. But I think he's going to get on base. I think he could steal some bases. Uh, I think that Reds lineup is not done yet. I think they're going to get a little bit better um, before the season starts. And I, th- I think, you know, if you can get a guy like him at 360, I think that feels really good. Um, a guy that is more of a plain time pick than a necessarily, I think he's going to light the world on fire pick this year. Um, Christian Pache. Okay. Um, he's, he, uh, this is the defense conversation, right? Like his defense is so good. And I think this is, he is, you know, he's going, he's one of the future stars in that outfield. I think he's going to play every day. Um and even if his offensive profile is lacking still, I think that, you know, that he's a guy in, you know, your eighth or ninth outfielder that you can feel secure that he's got a job, which, again, is something you can do in best ball that you can't do in your traditional draft and holds um, because you don't have to guess the weeks that he has a good week. Best ball will do it for you. Uh, and my last guy, Cardinals fans may hate this, um, Harrison Bader. It's just an, another example of a dude. He's great defender. He's the only center fielder on that roster, as far as I'm concerned, and I think he plays every day. Like I, you know, I just or most days he may not play every, but I think he's going to play most days. You know, they may talk a big game that they're going to have um, Dexter Fowler in center or something like that, and I, I just I think Harrison Bader's defense keeps him in, and you know, I think there's been some times he's flashed some skills. You can you can hope for a little offensive upside, but it's, it's, but he's going to play every day, and that's that's the kind of guy I want at 440. Um, in a best ball format, I think that's a valuable player. 
Oh, no doubt about it. He's in the Bubba drafts, 485. I mean, it's, <laughs> and I, I get it. He's not I, – I, I'm not going to tell you he's a good baseball player necessarily, although he's probably better than what we want to give him credit for. Um, but in best ball, he's the type of player that I think can can really give you value. Yeah, no, I don't hate that at all. Question for you on the Pache call because I like him a lot. I've stared at him for a while in the draft and hold I'm in, and I, I ended up not getting him because someone else finally jumped me for him. Are you concerned at all with the reports that they want to add another outfielder? No. I mean, like, I I just think that – no. I guess the answer is no, I'm not. Um, His defense is legit, so that's the thing. It's like, I mean, he's he is – you know, he's very, very good defensively. And, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, they already have young outfielders. I mean, I know that they've talked – you know, I'd love to see Ozuna go back there, but mostly because I think the DH is coming and he'll DH, you know. Um, but even if they add another outfielder, who's that? I want to make sure I'm not speaking out of my head here, but I was going to look roster resource. Who are their, I mean, outfielders right now, uh, who's their projected third outfielder? Let me check. I'll pull it up right now. I know obviously one's Acuna. Right. right. <laughs> so we got that one. Cause that guy, I guess he's okay. Yeah. He's not bad. So I got, uh, Enciarte is still there. He's yeah. projected to platoon with Drew Waters. Right. So that's the thing. I think, I think number one, I don't believe that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they want to replace Enciarte. Go ahead. I still think, you know, they're the, and, and the, the benefit of having uh, Acuna and Pache is that um, that defense would be so good. It, it doesn't really matter who else you put in left field. Um, right. And, and Enciarte's best benefit is the defense when at that point it's really probably overkill. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I'm not worried about that. Um I knew that I knew I wasn't worried about who the third guy was, but I couldn't. Yeah, no. If you can't remember who they are, it's probably a good thing. <laughs> Usually um, a good thing at this point. There's one other outfielder I wanted to mention because obviously there's plenty, like you, you said. Yeah, but there's a lot. One that keeps standing out to me now, which I was not in on before he changed teams, but Adam Eaton potentially hitting towards the top of that White Sox lineup, at like pick 340, has my attention. Yeah. So. I, I completely get that. I've been, he's one of those guys, I try not to let myself be affected by being burned in the past. Yeah. But <laughs> he I got burned, burned by, <laughs> I, he burned me. And so I, I won't like, I'm not. So when I look at like what I have as a projection, pl- a playing time for project projection for him, it is not a full season of at bats. And no, so no. like, um, that's probably what drags him down for me. But in an OBP format, Adam means a pretty good player. Yeah. Um, and, it, and like you said, if they, even if it's a bad idea, if they, if they hit him at the top of that lineup, that works well in fantasy. Big time. So that's kind of where I'm at now because I'm not a – trust me, I'm not a fan of him right. taking that bat away from like Moncada and stuff at the top, yeah. but that's what it looks like is going to happen. So yeah. very interesting. All right, uh, well, let's go to the pitching side of things here. And you mentioned you could get a lot of pitching late. We kind of talked about just the ugly veteran guys, at the fourth and fifth starters even if you sure. have to. But uh, what are some of the later round uh, pitching targets you got going here? The guy I have the most of is Vince Velasquez. Uh, Danny V, I love it. Love um, it. I like so Philly is seems not interested in signing another starter, which is great for for this case. That's good for him and for Spencer Howard. Um, I think that you know they brought a new pitching coach, um, you know who's who's heralded, um, and I I like I you know this is the kind of guy who's not going to like I don't I'm not expecting them him to be like the new you know like just rock it up and next year we're taking him in the, in the, you know, the teens or something like that. But I think here he's going to have some days where he just looks magnificent and that's going to be great in best ball. Um, You know, that'll be really the kind of guy you want who just flashes a, you know, four or five weeks a year. 
and he, he gets into your starting lineup and, and where you're getting him right now, which is pick 370, that is more than enough. Um, so he's one of the guys that get a lot of. Uh, Austin Gomber, uh, the Cardinals, I'm pretty interested in him. Uh, I think there's some bullpen risk maybe um, that he, but even when he was in the bullpen, he was getting a decent amount of run. Um, so he's the kind of guy that I, I like him. I thought there's some interesting things last year. Um, the Cardinals there don't have a great uh, starting rotation um, outside of uh, Flaherty. Everybody else is pretty much a question mark. Um, so Austin Gomber is a guy I like at 429. Um, and then here's this guy's like a great last pick, uh, Chris Flexen, uh, signed by the Mariners. They have said he's slated to be in the rotation. Um, so I. Sign me up for that. <laughs> I'll get a guy who's in the rotation. They've got him on a couple year deal. Um, they will probably give him a long leash in the rotation, I would think. Um, and you can get him almost as your last player in a fan tracked best ball. And I think that is fantastic. Yeah. If you got a guy in a rotation like that, why not? I'm with you there. So um, good names. Vinny V's always got a, He's near and dear to my heart because he's a guy that. The stuff when he's on is electric, oh, some of yep. the best in baseball, but it's command. I think there's a lot between his ears that are messed up yeah. for his pitching. His it's ballpark just, doesn't help either. No, that does not help at all. Like if he could just figure it out, man, he, like he's almost like, – I'd have to double-check like all the Jason Collette stuff, but he feels like a third time through the rotation sometimes. It's just a disaster for him. It, it's just one little tweak or something that would be oh, – man, could be so effective. And he's um, the profile that I think you can do a little dreaming and wishing on to, yeah. especially this late. You can say, the draft, yeah, what if he changes something, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because his ceiling is so much higher than a lot of other guys at that point in the right. draft. Right. So, Johnny Cueto is going in a similar stamp, you know, yeah. similar place. And it's yeah. like, okay, which one of those guys could could conceivably become more? Definitely. Cueto, we know what Cueto is. <laughs> and he's not maxing that out anymore. And say Michael uh, Lorenzen in here. Um, I like him. Uh, he's starting to creep up in best balls. You're going to have to pony up around 300 at this point. Um, and, uh, which I, I will do. Um, but, uh, he was, he used to be in the late three hundreds before, uh, Michael Simeone started, you know, singing love songs and writing poetry. I was about to say, Michael Simeone ruined that one for us. Yep. Um, the other guy I'm starting to like, and he went 263 in draft four, surprisingly, but before they got an ADP about 360, that's Dee Scalfani coming over to the Giants. Yep. He he intrigues me. I'm not saying it's a great pick yet, but oh, I like it. I think it's a great transformation chance there for another late round target. He's going right around Vinny V time. Yep, so. I've got a decent amount of him. Again, the, the concern there is I do think the price is creeping up because I think a lot of people are are thinking the same way we are, Baba, which is like, look, you get him in that ballpark with an organization that seems to be willing to make some changes. Uh, he's an interesting guy. Yeah, I think he could take that Kevin Gossman route and yeah. just kind of develop it. So mm-hmm. not maybe be that good, but obviously become much better yeah. than he was. Um, one last question I have for you before we wrap it up. It's a tweet you had today, and I love it because when we talked on the previous show and stuff you tweeted about and everything, it's especially in the fan tracks best balls, and I think it's most best balls. Um, pitching kind of you want to be aggressive on early because the innings, it's, it's it, the scoring system's catered to pitching, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's one of your philosophies. It's one of many philosophies. It makes a lot of sense. You didn't follow it in this recent draft. No. And um, you have Juan Soto, Freeman, Bregman, Ozuna, and then Hungjin Ryu in the fifth round as your first starting pitcher. So my question to you, how many pitchers in a row do you plan on taking to make yourself feel better? <sighs> it's a great question. I don't know how that team is going to turn out. And I posted, uh, I said, you know, this is what happens when you, you know, I would never tell someone to do this. This is the thing <laughs> that I say you should not do. Um, and it just, it happened. Um, 
you know, it was my own fault. I, I wasn't responding well enough to what the draft was doing. You know, I saw a couple little little pitching spots, and I said I was at a position where you uh, Darvish in the second round. The only pitchers left that I had a second round grade on were you Darvish and what Brandon Woodruff. I've got him as like a third second rounder. And what I should have done is drafted one of those players mm-hmm. um, because, but the other, you know, but in and I like Darvish, and you know, if I just look at my projections, he actually comes out pretty high, but the innings I'm nervous about. And now, you know, uh, the uh, Padres are already talking about six, you know, six man rotation. It's like, well, do you want to take your ACE as in, in a, in a, you know, who's going to maybe not get the full compliment and maybe they won't do that to Darvish, but it was kind of in my head. And so I, I passed. And I think what I would have 2020 hindsight, I'd have picked Woodruff who went like the next pick um, and then just tried to make it work from there. But instead I went Freddie Freeman, which I like Freddie Freeman in the second round in a vacuum, but usually only if I get a, uh, an ace in the first. Um, so as far as how many pitchers I will take, I don't know, Bubba, the number may not be high up, you know, at the end of the day, I will end up with the same amount of pitchers as I usually would. Um, they're just not going to be as good. You know, I don't particularly love the pitchers that are in like the seventh to 10th or 11th round. And so to, to eat there, like on pitchers that I don't particularly like, I think what will probably end up happening is I'm in on a lot more relievers. No, that means that, well, that's kind of what I wanted to ask the question because yeah. that's another reason why we go earlier with pitching is that middle round pitching is not great. And then we go to a lot of these like later rounds and like the the, the Lorenzins and the Desclafanis mm-hmm. and Vinny. So maybe you just load up there, I guess. And all of a sudden you're taking instead of like your seventh and eighth outfielders, now you're getting your sixth and seventh pitcher stuff or yeah. whatever. Yeah. But um, I was just curious. I'm really intrigued because it does happen in drafts. I've seen it happen in many drafts where – you, your plan is to go here, but you know these guys keep falling. It's like yep. you can't really pass these guys up. So like the players you took, where you took them, is not a bad spot to take these right. guys. It's just like you said, your 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 game plan got skewed. But hey, when you do as many as you do, you know the player pool. I'm I, I'm, not, I'm not worried about you. I'm yeah. just curious how it turns out. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, just I did I did, got a couple late round relievers here, Bubba. If we want to talk about late yeah, round sure. relievers, what do you got? What do you got? Um, and in best ball, it's a little bit different. Everybody's you know. Some people aren't going to draft any in fan tracks. I think that's wrong. I think that's leaving value on the table. You just need to make sure you're getting a good price, a good acquisition cost, as our guy uh, Deadpool hitter likes to say, Rob. Um, I think that uh, Tyler Duffy's a really interesting guy uh, at the back end of these these fan tracks drafts because he's going to – I think he's going to be in a timeshare for saves. And I wouldn't like to draft – like I think people are drafting Taylor Rogers as if he's the guaranteed closer and – he wasn't last year and I don't think he's going to be this year. I think that they're going to share those saves around. And so I like that at pick 480. I think that's a good risk, you know, or in the late four seventies. Um, I've also been taking some shots on Amir Garrett um, in hopes that he gets uh, that, that role. Cause even if he doesn't get the starting role, he's a really good reliever and he's going to, he's going to have some weeks where he's going to steal a win and he's going to have four or five K's. And that's something that, you know, um, that would be enough to start in, in the, at the back end of most fan tracks uh, rosters. Um, I think in overall on the NFBC, the BB 10 sites and the, and the, uh, the best balls that are 50 rounds, I think closers, you need to really look at them because they are more valuable over there than they are on, uh, on fan tracks. One last question when it comes to relievers for you, because a lot of people think relievers, I think closers are closers and waiting kind of mm-hmm. like guys you're talking yep. about there. Do you ever see yourself kind of bumping up uh, like you Smero Petit types or these guys you know are coming out there for two to three innings probably two to three times a week? A good example of that, Freddie Peralta. I, drafted, I love Freddie. I've gotten a decent amount of Freddie uh, because, again, here's a great guy who 
I'll pay the price for what he shows us he is right now, which is a guy who can pitch two or three innings of very good quality work, uh, maybe a couple times a week. And then not priced in is the upside that he could be in the, he could be in the starting rotation at some point next year. And that value, I don't think is being priced into where he's being drafted right now. Uh, So, um, yeah, so I like that. Freddie Peralta is a guy. So yeah, I think as long as you're selective on those type of guys and you don't want to have too many, maybe just have one or two. I think there's, I think that's valuable. And this year, probably more valuable than usual. Yeah. I love the, the Peralta shot. Cause I, I, we talked about on the last show or something. He's a guy that stands out and he's uh, the, the comp, the concern with him has always been, he needs a third pitch and there's already reports that he's working on a third pitch. Right. So like, like you said, it could be one where he starts the year as the kind of long man or doing this. And then all star break hits or whatever. Now he's starting the rest right. of the season. Like that yeah. could be tremendous. So yeah, and and if he only gets you 125 innings, well, this season that's going to be more valuable than any other season oh, because yeah. so many more pitchers are only going to pitch 150. You know, a lot of these starters aren't going to pitch their full their full complement of innings. So he, relatively speaking, he's more valuable than I think he would be in a normal season. 100 percent agree. That's a good good point there. Well, that'll wrap us up on this episode, Derek. Once again, why don't you uh, plug oh, all your good stuff? I think we did have one Twitter question if you want to Oh, grab shoot. It. Yes, I my just, bad, Sully. Yeah. My bad, Sully. Uh, good call there, Derek. Came in, it came in right before we started recording. Yeah, right, right before the gun. Sully underscore is underscore typing. What are your thoughts on Shohei Otani in best ball? Yeah, so on fan tracks, uh, Otani is outfield only. So you can So you're drafting just Otani the hitter. I have not drafted a single share of him. Um, if we had more clarity on what his season was going to look like, I'd be interested in him as an outfielder because he's, he's been good when he's hit, but, but if, if they're still going to mess around and he's going to pitch some of the time on fan tracks, I don't know that you're going to get enough value to justify it. Um, a guy who's a maximum going to start, you know, as a, as a hitter, maybe four days a week, you know, you're asking a lot. Um, if on the NFBC and BB tens, you draft him and you get that pitcher or hitter. So what happens is at the beginning of the week, he, you're at the end of the week, he's either a pitcher or a hitter, whatever he scores the most of. That's what he is for that week. I'm a lot more interested over there. And I have, uh, and not in the BB tens because I think the rosters are too short, but over in their best ball product that's deeper, that's a great way to cheat and get, you get an Two outfielder players. and a pitcher. <laughs> yeah. um, I think that's pretty interesting. And I, you know, it could bust, but his price isn't terribly expensive. Uh, I haven't done uh, – I'm getting ready to jump in one more, so maybe his price has moved a little bit. But the last one I did, his price was – it was tolerable, and I, I looked at it pretty hard. So I think that's an interesting move over there where you can get the benefit of him being a pitcher or an outfielder. I think that's pretty cool where they pick whichever week he had better. That's an yeah. awesome way to go about it because that's been my biggest concern like in fan tracks. If I knew he was a hitter six days a week, I'd be all over him in mm-hmm. a heartbeat. We've seen how good that is, but we know if he's pitching – day off beforehand, probably day off after, like right. yeah, you said three to four days a week at that point. And you just, that's too stuff to stun. That's a platoon catcher or something. Right. Like, it's right. The ceiling, too, it's just ceiling is yeah. just so limited at that point, but over, yeah. over on, so I think that's really interesting on the NFBC. No, and it's un- very, very yeah, interesting. Yeah. And unlike your main event or something like that, you don't have to pick before the week starts. You no, can I just love see what happens. Might be the best place to own Shohei Otani. So that's I think so. I think so. Yeah. But all right, that'll wrap us up. Uh, go ahead and plug away uh, all the awesome sure. stuff you had at Jack Fantasy. Yep, yep. So Jack Fantasy Sports, um, that's where you're going to find the injury tools. Like I said, they're free, they're Tableau, they're great. I think that you'll you you know you'll use them once and you'll favorite them, and I think you'll keep coming back to them, and I'll update those uh, as I can. Um, 
And then um, the draft dashboards, if you want to jump into a best ball for five bucks, you buy one of these draft dashboards. I think it'll help you just hit the ground running. You can plug in any fan graphs projection, or if you subscribe to uh, baseball HQ, if you subscribe to master's ball, or if you subscribe or if you use uh, Tanner Bell's uh, aggregator, any of those will work with the um, BB 10 or the fan tracks version of the spreadsheet. So, or if you're like the bat or ATC, whatever the fan graphs, all that stuff will work. Um, and then um, you can use custom projections if you're so inclined. You want to adjust some of those projections. But it'll help you track the draft as your draft is going along. You can download the draft results, put them in. It'll update the players available, stuff like that. So if you want to get into best ball, I really cannot recommend it enough. I'm happy to help you. There's there's a user guide. There's a video guide. Um, lots of people have been really pleased with that. Um, if you just want to uh, see me talk more about best ball stuff, Check me out on Twitter, uh, DRHOA3. I promise I will overload you with best ball and injury stuff, um, but uh, it's good stuff. So, yeah, definitely uh, hit me up. Yep, it is good stuff. He's always throwing tidbits out that make you think about different scenarios on how to, you know, the top teams with zeros in a week and people have with the pitchers, like different scenarios. So go check it out uh, on his Twitter at DRHOA3. And, Derek, thanks for getting for joining me, my friend. Always a good time. Yep, appreciate it, brother. All right, everybody, this was Bench with Bubba, episode 335, talking some late-round best ball targets with Derek Rhodes. Catch you guys later.